So this week, this Sunday, we begin a series in a new book of the Bible, and we're going to be studying Hebrews, um, the book of Hebrews. Yes, you can get excited about that. Um, the book of Hebrews will be our focus for the next six months. Hebrews is one of 27 books in the New Testament um, and has been a source of encouragement for so many Christians over the centuries. And if you've ever read Hebrews before, you'll know that it's different. It's very unique in a lot of ways. But one of the ways, one of the things that distinguishes Hebrews from many other New Testament books is that the author is unknown. Okay, the author is unknown. No one knows for sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. The author never identifies himself like the, uh, most of the New Testament books. They're normally named after the author, or if they're named after the, um, the city, you know, that the, the group of Christians they're writing to, they always begin with their name. But the book of, history, um, the book of Hebrews doesn't do that. Um, there have been obviously educated guesses. Um, some think it's the Apostle Paul. In fact, I um, read through the book of Hebrews of a group of guys um, during the week, and one of them said, man, like, you know, I know we don't know who the author is, but um, it sounds like the Apostle Paul. Um, and I was like, all right, that's your guess. Good for you. Let's move on. Um, others, <laughs> others, say, others think it's Apollos. Um, some think it's Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke, Clement of Rome, Peter, etc. Nobody knows for sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. And even though we don't know who wrote this letter, um, it has been over history within Christianity accepted um, as an inspired part of scripture. Um, the mystery of the author of Hebrews does not affect our confidence in the fact that it is God's word. Um, and it is a book that we need to see as authoritative. Another distinguishing feature of Hebrews is that it is a sermon manuscript rather than a letter. Um, and the reason I say that, it's a lot of the um, content in the New Testament are letters. Um, leaders wrote to churches. Um, but, um, the, um, but if you read Hebrews, it reads like a sermon. It, it doesn't really read like a letter. And so we could say it's a manuscript um, of a sermon. Um, the majority of the New Testament literature is in the form of letters, but the book of Hebrews is not a letter. It's in fact a sermon. It's a 35 to 40 minute sermon. Um, and um, I love what Cynthia Hopkins says. She says this about Hebrews. Hebrews includes no traditional greeting or stated purpose one finds in other New Testament letters. As such, it is best understood as a sermon meant to be shared and circulated within the church. And so it may not be clear who, he, who wrote Hebrews. We don't know for sure who did it, but it's a lot clearer who it was written for. The term Hebrews was another name for Jewish people. Um, therefore, the book of Hebrews was addressed to um, Jewish Christians. And this makes a lot of sense because if you're familiar with Hebrews, you'll know that it's densely packed 
with Old Testament um, references. There is an abundance of Old Testament allusions throughout Hebrews. The first chapter alone, most of the first chapter has um, um, quotations um, from the Old Testament. And because of this, because of this, it makes perfect sense that Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians who grew up in Judaism but have believed in Jesus and embraced him as the Messiah. The interesting thing is that these Jewish Christians lived in Rome, and in Rome they weren't living their best life, right? In Rome, these Christians, these Jewish Christians, were experiencing severe persecution because of their commitment to Jesus Christ. Charles Swindle, who's a Bible teacher and author, says this, they were already scorned by the unbelieving Jewish community for their conversion to what most Jews regarded as a heretical sect. Now their faith in the Messiah and their membership in the church were proven to be deadly. And because of the pressure of persecution, and these Jewish believers were considering going back and, and going back to Judaism. They were considering leaving Christianity and referring back to animal sacrifices and um, worship at the temple. They were very um, tempted to go back to their old paths. Um, Charles Swindle again says this. Uh, there, there they would have found refuge from the... Fl um, sorry... Is that quote up? Yes, it is. There, they would have found um, refuge from the flames of fiery trials facing the church. Um, they would have found protection under the canopy of a religion that had legal status under Roman law. And they would have returned to the ancient faith of their fathers, to the comfort of following clear mandates of the law, and to the familiar writings of Moses and the prophets. In other words, the Jewish Christians this piece of literature were written to were struggling with their faith. And so Hebrews was written to these disheartened Christians, and the goal of Hebrews was to encourage them to persevere, to keep going, and to keep um, 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 committed to Jesus Christ. Hebrews, um, the author had two goals. Um, the first was to show that Jesus is better than anything or anyone else in this world. And secondly, um, the book of Hebrews, the intent of the author is to encourage struggling Christians to persevere. And so the book of Hebrews wants to help you and everyone else to remain committed to Jesus and it does this by reminding us over and over again that Jesus is better. Um, Hebrews is not light reading. Um, if you've ever read it before, it's meaty. Um, author Michael Kruger says the book of Hebrews is not a light appetizer. It's more like a porterhouse steak. And that's true. If you've spent time reading, it's very, very meaty indeed. Um, and so as we think about Hebrews, as we think about um, the, the, the unknown author, as we think about Hebrews being written to Jewish Christians who were facing persecution, and as we start to look at this book and wonder how it applies to us, um, it absolutely does. It's not just for first century 
specifically Jewish Christians who are going through persecutions, but it's absolutely relevant for us as well, because as Christians, we all, uh, no matter what generation, no matter what century we live in, um, we all will face trials or are facing trials and challenges as a result of our faith. And so throughout our study in Hebrews, I hope you'll be encouraged. I hope you'll be strengthened um, to keep persevering. Um, as I talked about earlier, uh, a lot of the Jewish Christians wanted to, you know, who had become Christians, wanted to give up on Jesus. Because as a result of their commitment to Jesus, they were receiving persecution. Um, and this letter, this book, however, or this sermon was for the purpose of encouraging them to keep going. And so that's the plan. And that's a brief overview of Hebrews. And so you can sum up the entire book of Hebrews with this simple phrase, Jesus is better. You're going to see it over and over again. Um, the author is going to help us understand and know why Jesus is better throughout the whole book. Jesus is better than the sacrifices. Jesus is better than the priests. Jesus is better than Moses. All of this, we'll see that over and over again. And so that is the plan for Hebrews. And so this morning, just gave you guys a brief overview. What we're going to do might be surprising to some of you, okay? Um, if you're new to our church. This morning, we're going to begin our journey through the book of Hebrews um, by reading the entire book together as a church. I said it. <laughs> some are excited, some are stunned. We're going to spend the next 40 minutes reading the whole of Hebrews together. And so why are we doing this? This is kind of tradition for King's Cross Church. Um, every time we start our study throughout the book, through the book, um, a new book of the Bible, um, we like to just read it all <laughs> in one sitting. Um, but the most important reason we're going to do this is because... The public reading of scripture should be a significant practice for God's people. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 13 says, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. There are other places in scripture that encourage us to not just read a verse of scripture, or, you know, put it on a T-shirt or something. Um, but there are so many encouragements in Scripture, and there are so many references to Christians coming together and reading a whole book of the Bible. For example, you know, Galatians, Philippians, Ephesians, all of those letters were written... Um, to, to, to Christian, to Jesus followers in several cities. And whenever a letter arrived, 
Um, it didn't, you know, the letter, they, they weren't able to get multiple copies <laughs> of the letter, of that, you know, spirit-inspired scripture that was sent to them by Paul, or one of the leaders. They, they couldn't have multiple copies. And so what would happen um, is that someone who could read would read it to them. And they would all gather and they would hear the reading um, of that particular scripture, of that particular letter. Um, and um, I've studied a bit of congregational reading of scripture, and it's in the Old Testament. It's throughout. You will see God's people gathering and reading entire books of the Bible. And that's what we have the privilege and the joy of practicing this morning, Tim McKee of the Bible Project says this, reading the Bible by yourself can be hard. It's easy to get distracted, but something happens when we hear God's word read aloud and when we're with other people. It's a truly powerful practice. And if you have ever experienced something like this before, you know um, of the many benefits to it. But if you haven't, I trust, all right, that after this experience, you will want to know God through the reading of his word more. And so this is what we're going to do. When you came in, um, you should have had your own copy of God's word, whether it's on your phone or your Bible, but also we distributed journals to everyone, ESV journals. Um, and so the plan is um, we're going to have different people come up from our church family, and they are going to read a chapter each. Um, there's going to be some points where we're going to take a break and sing a song um, that um, that that. Um, sing a song that relates to what we're reading. Um, and so we're going to be doing that. There are 13 chapters. As I said, it takes 40 minutes um, roughly to read. Um, if you don't have a journal, you can go to the back, um, a copy of Hebrews, ESV version. You can go to the back and our lovely Josh will um, will help, will give you a copy. But this is the experience. This is what I want you guys to do. Be free in this space, okay? You can, like, stand at the back. You can stay in your seats. You can sit on the floor. Whatever you need to do um, to be comfortable. But also, let me encourage you to grab a pen um, and, like, make notes and journal. The point of our reading is not for you to grasp everything in Hebrews. That's not the point, right? The point is for you um, to expose yourself to as much of God's word as you can and for you to say, God, like throughout this reading, what do you want to say to me? And as you read, you will see um, verses stick out um, that you've never read before. Or if you've read it before, it will make more sense than it's ever been. We trust that this time will be rewarding in so many ways. I cannot wait. And I hope you feel the same. But if you don't, it's totally fine. You kind of don't have a choice, but it's fine. You do. You can kind of stand at the back. All right, let's read. And then we'll have um, Noah come up to kickstart our reading. Yeah? Cool. Let me pray. Yeah, that was it. It kept... That's better. Um, let's pray. God, thank you for this time and thank you for your word. And we are living in a generation where we have unlimited access to your scripture. 
But God having um, the Bible and the scripture is just the beginning. Access to it is just the beginning. We need your Holy Spirit to take all that we're going to read and, and bring it to life. Your word is alive and it's active. It really is. And so, God, I pray that you, we are about to hear from you. <laughs> hear from you through your word and God I you are going to speak and so God remove anything in our lives and in our minds and hearts that would prevent you from speaking to us clearly we love you thank you in Jesus name amen chapter one long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days he had spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Chapter 2. Therefore, we must pay close attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. For it was not to angels that God subjected the word to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, 
so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children of God and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who fear of death were, who fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus had been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if we hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for forty years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united in faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. 
although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then we have a, high great, have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Chapter 5. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are high priest, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you. Again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives, in milk, lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil.
chapter 6. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves. In all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as sure and steadfast author of the anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus is gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Chapter 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, the priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is the first, by translation of the name, king of righteousness, and then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the spoils? And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take a tithe from the people, that is, from their brothers, though, there were, though these also are descendants of Abraham. But this man, who does not have his descendants from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had 
the promise. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal man, but in the other case, by one whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say the Levi himself, who received the tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Now, if perfection had been attained through the Levitical priesthood, for under the people, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than the name after the order of Aaron? For when there was a change in the priesthood, there is, necess there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that the Lord was descendant from Judah and in connection with the, the, the tribe of Moses said, said nothing about priest. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeliness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For on one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which, is draw, through which we draw near to God. And it is without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But the one was made a priest with an oath on the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. This makes Jesus a guarantor of better covenant. The former priests are, are many in number because they were prevented by death of continuing their office. But he who holds the priesthood permanently because he continues forever, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For this is indeed fitting, that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above heaven, he has no need, like those high priests who offered sacrifices daily, first for their own sin and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as a high priest, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints the son who has made... who has been made perfect forever. Chapter 8. 
Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would not have been any occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one of his neighbor and each one of his brothers, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Chapter 9. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first section, in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna, an Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot speak now in detail. These preparations have, having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties, but into the second section only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus ensuring an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, 
how much more with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of a better covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. <clears throat> Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he is appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as, it's, just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Chapter 10. For since the law was but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me, and burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. It is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that, we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. 
waiting for that time until his enemies should be made footstools for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declared the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil consciousness of and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth there are no longer remains a sacrifice for our sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? who has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that yourself, you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which was a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteousness, righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but are of those who have faith and persevere their souls. Chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For it is by the people, for by it the people of old receive their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that it was seen, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, he died, 
Though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past, that, past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessing on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over, his, over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, as the, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and were made strong out of weakness, 
became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging while even, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in, in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in, all which, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for a good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given, if even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. 
For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At the time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Chapter 13, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go out, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this, in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all the leaders and all the saints. 
Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. So God, as we go this week, I pray that we would hold your word in our hearts. That you are calling us to a life of faith in the sufficiency of Christ and a life of love for those around us. That this world might see you through us this week. I pray that we would live this week faithful to the call that you've given us. I pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Great to be together this morning and great to hear from God's word spoken over us this morning. So continue studying Hebrews. We just want to encourage you to be in that book this, this next season as a church as we study it together. But go in peace and have a great Sunday.